Hello and welcome to this third week in which we are considering Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul, you may remember, is in prison, probably in Rome, and he's writing this as a thank you letter to the church in Philippi, expressing his gratitude for the gift of money which they'd sent to him by the hand of one of their members, Epaphroditus. And in chapter 2, verse 15, Paul had called upon the church to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And this chapter, chapter 2 of Philippians, presents us with three shining stars, or three wise men. The first of these is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in the first part of chapter 2, he has described the CV of the Lord Jesus, who, being in very nature God, had become incarnate as a human, and had served humans like a slave, had even gone to a death upon a cross where he was cursed by God for the sinfulness of the human race. And then God raised him from the dead and he ascended to the highest place and was given the highest name, the name of Yahweh, the name of Lord, the personal name of God. And one day Jesus will receive universal recognition by everyone who has ever lived who will say Jesus is Lord. But there are two other shining stars in this chapter. And the first of these is Timothy. And I'd like to give you a brief biography of the life of Timothy. But firstly, let us read what it says. Chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for all are looking out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Well, a brief biography then of Timothy. His childhood. He lived in Lystra, which is in what we would call South Central Turkey. His dad was a Gentile. And when the boy was born, he refused to have him circumcised, even though his mother was a Jew. His mother's name was Eunice and his grandmother's name was Lois. And they were both Jewish women. Let me read about them, them too from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And chapter 3, verse 15. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Eunice and Lois had read the Old Testament to Timothy since he was a little boy. We now move on to his conversion. And his conversion most likely can be found in chapter 14 of the book of Acts. Paul is on his first missionary journey. And he comes to Lystra, where Timothy lived. And Jesus Christ, through Paul, healed a lame man. 
And the people of Lystra thought that Paul and Barnabas were pagan gods and they had to disabuse them. But by then, some antagonistic Jews from Antioch had come to Lystra and they stirred up the crowds and they stoned Paul and they left him for dead. In fact, he wasn't dead, but they thought they'd killed him and they went back to Antioch. But Paul recovered and he left Lystra to go to Derby. Now, most likely, Timothy saw much of this happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Most likely then, Timothy came to faith in Lystra during that first missionary journey. Later, Paul returned to Lystra and there he ordained Timothy. Now, ordained is not a New Testament word, but it's a word that we're familiar with when somebody is set aside for the service of the gospel. So four years later, when Paul returned to Lystra on his second missionary journey, he recruited Timothy to be a companion missionary alongside Silas. We can read about this in Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, I'm assuming that as Paul returned to Derby and found Timothy there as a believer who was well spoken of, he decided to ordain Timothy to become his companion missionary. And we can read about this probably in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. And chapter four, verse 14, do not neglect the gift, your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And 2 Timothy chapter one, verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So it's most likely then that Paul ordained Timothy to missionary work here on his second missionary journey as he returned to Lystra and recruited Timothy. He had Timothy circumcised. This was to make the passage of the gospel easier for Jewish people to accept because Timothy had a Jewish mother. And so Timothy became a fellow missionary with Paul. Let's just consider his service to Paul. We know he helped Paul write six of his letters, just as this one is from Paul and Timothy. Five other letters in the New Testament are written from Paul and Timothy 
to various re recipients. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul sent Timothy to the Thessalonians to strengthen in, and encourage them during a time of trial. And in verse 6, Timothy came back and brought Paul good news at the church in Thessalonica. So Paul accompanied Timothy, accompanied Paul on his second missionary journey and also on his third missionary journey. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul sent Timothy to Corinth to pass on Paul's teaching. And he speaks about Timothy as my son I love, who is faithful in the Lord. And Timothy was with Paul in Corinth when Paul wrote the letter to the Romans. We know that. Romans chapter 16, verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you. And in Acts chapter 20, tells us that Timothy went with Paul to Jerusalem with the financial gift collected for the church there. And that was the occasion when Paul was arrested because of a riot in the temple and uh, the Romans had to come and save Paul from a, a sudden death at the hands of the baying mob around the temple. So now Paul is in prison, probably in Rome. While he was under this house arrest, uh, he wrote four letters. Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians and Philippians. And Timothy is one of his regular visitors. This is about eight years after his ordination back in Acts chapter 16. We know that Timothy became the pastor in Ephesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3, Paul urged Timothy to stay in Ephesus as its leader to sort out the false doctrines that were being taught. And later we know that Timothy was arrested and put in prison for his faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 says that Timothy had been in prison but had been released. So having been the pastor at Ephesus, how did he die? Well, we don't know from the Bible, but later tradition tells us that Timothy was martyred in Ephesus while he was still the pastor there. So there we have a brief biography of Timothy. Now, what kind of person was he? How did he shine like a star? Well, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, I have no one else like him. He's unique. That's a huge compliment, isn't it? Can you imagine your pastor saying of you, I have no one else like that man or that woman? A very high compliment. And he says that Timothy is interested in the welfare of the church in Philippi. Look at verse four. He's already said that most people look after their own interests. And now he's saying Timothy in verse 20 has an interest in your welfare. Indeed, he talks about people looking out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy was a man who was interested in other churches than his own. And he was interested. I'm sorry. And he looked out for the interests of Jesus Christ. His centre of gravity was the Lord Jesus. Paul says in verse 22, Timothy had proved himself. He stuck with Paul through thick and thin, and he'd visited Paul while he was in prison and later was thrown into prison himself. He had described Timothy earlier as being a slave of the gospel. He was a, a faithful man. Timothy was happy to be number two to Paul's number one. 
the poet said, it takes more courage than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. Timothy was prepared to play second fiddle to Paul. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone is that humble. Not everybody is able to put the leader first and themselves second. Maybe Timothy was prone to an inferiority complex. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And maybe he had tr tummy troubles. Could this be because of anxiety? Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, use a little wine because of your stomach and frequent illnesses. We know he was an affectionate man because in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, I recall your tears and I long to see you. He was a very emotional guy, was this Timothy, probably prone to fear. Paul says of him in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he was with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. So maybe Timothy was an anxious man. Maybe that was causing him his tummy troubles. And he was a man prone to fear and concern and to worry about the future. And maybe also he had a weakness for the ladies. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul said to him, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he said, treat young women, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Paul loved Timothy as a father loves a son. He was one of his converts after all. For all his weaknesses, his shortcomings, his anxieties, his fears, his weaknesses, Timothy was loyal. He was reliable. He was faithful. He put the interests of Jesus Christ first. He overcame all his timidity and illnesses and weaknesses in order to shine like a star. Now, we said that there were three stars in this chapter. The Lord Jesus, Timothy, and now we come to Epaphroditus. Don't confuse this man with Epaphras. Epaphras is mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament. He is different from Epaphroditus, who is only mentioned here in this letter. Let me read to you from chapter 2, verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Epaphroditus was a member of the church in Philippi. 
along with Lydia and the jailer from the jail in Philippi. And he had been sent with a gift, money from Philippi, to find Paul and to pass this money on to him to meet his expenses while he was in prison. This meant two long yomps across uh, Turkey and then across uh, up Italy. And it also included a journey across the Adriatic Sea. <clears throat> and on the way, he became ill, so ill that he nearly died. But he was determined to finish his journey. We're told in verse 30, he risked his life. And that word risked is taken from the world of gambling. It means he took a chance. He knew he had a chance of dying, but he also had a chance of living. He was determined to get to Paul if he possibly could, even though he might die in the attempt. He was determined to get this money to Paul. In verse 26, Epaphras is longing to get back to his home church. And in verse 25, Paul is going to send him back to set their minds at rest because they were worried about their member Epaphroditus. And Paul wanted him to go back to Philippi to bring him to bring them good news and also to deliver this letter. Now Epaphroditus was a Gentile. So at one time Paul the Pharisee would have called Epaphras a dog, a Gentile dog, a term of contempt and a term of abuse. He doesn't call Epaphroditus that now. In verse 25, he says, he's my brother. He and I are equally in the family of Christ. I love him as a brother. He calls him a fellow worker. Epaphroditus was no passenger. He was no pew filler. He wasn't a once a week Christian. Epaphroditus rolled up his sleeves and he worked hard for the kingdom of Jesus. Paul calls him a fellow soldier. He was a man who would fight for the gospel. Remember the, uh, the injunction earlier in this letter to stand firm and to strive for the gospel. Epaphroditus was a soldier for Christ who would stand firm and fight hard for the gospel. Paul and Epaphroditus from the same family, the same business, the same army. Not a dog, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. Epaphras loved, Epaphras worked, Epaphras fought. Epaphras was also a tender man. If you look at verse 26, you see it says Epaphroditus longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. The church in Philippi is distressed because they've heard news that Epaphroditus was ill and had nearly died. Epaphroditus's reaction is to be distressed for them. Now, this word distressed is a very strong word. It's only used in the New Testament on one other occasion. And believe it or not, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane when it says that Jesus was deeply distressed before going to the cross the next day. Epaphroditus wasn't enjoying being the centre of attention because he was ill. He was distressed because the church was distressed. He was tormented because his illness was troubling his church back home. He was distressed at the distress of others. Moreover, he was prepared to die for the work of Christ. 
he was prepared to die for Jesus. Look at verse 30. He almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life. The only thing I've ever risked for Jesus physically was a punch on the nose. There was a time in our church when we had a very forceful pastor. And I remember after one service, the congregation was dispersing. But there had been a visitor in the service who had come right to the front of the church building and was sitting there. And the pastor was asking him to leave. And this man was stubbornly refusing to go, looking quite aggressive. And the pastor couldn't shift him. And the pastor came to me and said, would I get this man to leave the building? Well, thank you very much. Great. So I put on my best uh, performance of non-aggressive uh, uh, composure, uh, put my hands in my pockets and tried to smile and tried to engage this man in conversation and introduce myself by name. and was excessively polite and eventually he did politely leave the building without punching me on the nose. But I did think I was going to uh, be lamped on that particular occasion. That's all. And a punch. And it never came. Epaphroditus gambled with his life for Jesus. Would I gamble with my life for Jesus, I wonder? What a star was Epaphroditus. A brother, a worker, a soldier, a postman, a gentleman, a man who felt the distress of others more than he felt his own, a man who was prepared to risk his life for Jesus. Three wise men, three shining stars. Jesus, Timothy, Epaphroditus. Paul said of Timothy, I have no one else like him. Could your pastor say that of you? Could Jesus say that of you? Could Jesus say that of me? I have no one else like him. Epaphroditus was Paul's brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, a man who gambled his life for Jesus. Could Jesus say that of me? Could Jesus say that of you? Timothy and Epaphroditus were, were both men who looked out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Could Jesus Christ say that of me? Could Jesus Christ say that of you? Those are the questions. What are the answers?